if you ever listen to any drug commercials on TV, they say, don't take it if you're allergic to it. How about the 20 things that could happen to you after you do take it? I mean, if I had any of those diseases that just needed that pill, I certainly wouldn't take it because of fear mongering the way they do it. We're no different. We've got to tell the facts, keep it precise, and make your clients aware uh, of it, not because you, you want to, but because you have to as a responsible integrator. Side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. You should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. On this episode of Resi Week, we talk China bought farms and access networks moves into commercial. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 418, Positions of Strength. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Katie McGregor-Bennett. She's the president of Canby Communications. How are you doing, Katie? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for being here. Then we have Dennis Holzer. He is the CEO of Powerhouse Alliance. How are you doing, Dennis? I am terrific. Also, thank you for having me back. Thank you for being here, both of you. All right, we are going to kick this off uh, with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. Uh, we're going to hit a bunch of network stuff off the top. The U.S. takes down a China state-sponsored botnet running on home office devices and small office uh, routers, essentially a massive botnet that they took down, mainly leveraging out-of-date and out-of-supported uh, routers from Cisco, Netgear, some IP cameras from Axis Communications. Um, also, the, there's a list. Those were the ones that got the headline, uh, but there is a, a full list of some of the companies that are in there, including Fatpipe and Fortinet. Uh, so all my Fortinet fans, yeah, you guys fell into that too. Uh, but specifically, the one that stood out to me was uh, the Cisco RV320 because, well, I have a bunch of clients that still have those in the field, uh, possibly through the end of the week before they'll be removed. Um, Katie, I, I want to start with you on this. And I'm going to preface it with the fact that for the majority of these devices, uh, at least the ones that I looked up, they're all end of life. They're no longer supported with firmware updates, uh, security patches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is how it, it seems um, these attacks for the KV botnet uh, were, were instituted. But the, the bigger aspect of this is how do you go about taking this information and disseminating it to your clients, uh, to, to people that may be affected by this? that you work with or that you have worked with in the past without coming across as, you know, a fear monger doing the like China's spying on you, even though they kind of are. Um, how do you go about communicating that message without it, A, being fear mongering and B, sounding just like a sales pitch? So I think it, there's a few things and everything that I say comes from the just perspective of the communicator, right? So I think that there's different forms of communication depending on what the need or the urgency is of the messaging that needs to be communicated. I think in in this regard, um, 
definitely not putting out any sort of a fear-mongering message in front of what the situation is, is really important, um, primarily from our community, because we do need to make sure that we're presenting information, even attacks like this, from a position of expertise and, a, and, a, and an air of we've got you, right? So rather than a, oh my God, the world, <laughs> the world is coming to an end, everything we're doing is being monitored, and here's just a few more examples of why, I think it's better to take a position of strength and, and of authority and say, it, as you may have seen in headlines and as continues to happen around the world, attacks on common devices such as those that are potentially in your home or your business are coming to light with frequency as such. A recent report on these products with these specific SKUs, which may or may not currently be part of your business structure, need to be taken a look at. And our team is here and ready to, to, to jump in and get this resolved as quickly as possible. First come, first serve. Please schedule an appointment immediately in order to identify if your property is at risk and how we can help facilitate a, a quick change to that to that protocol. You know, something to that effect that's like, you know, you may have already heard, we're bringing it into perspective. We are here to help provide the solution, but the onus is on you to reach out to us to make sure that we are connected with you to get this resolved. In addition to this, I do think proactive outreach, knowing what products you have in all of your client systems, obviously it's as easy to identify if you've got these out there actively in the field and then prioritizing some outreach to those clients. We have identified that your product may potentially have been part of this. We would like to work quickly to resolve this. I think that also potentially reduces liability, but I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice, and I'm not, not suggesting that's the, the best way to approach that legally. How's that for the phrase? Of the... <laughs> I like it. But you know, I think also making sure that that is, is pretty well understood as well. You know, Your company is proactively trying to resolve something that you may or may not have had a hand in installing regardless of whether you had had a hand installing, you should be part of the resolution. Fix this now and you kind of own a much stronger relationship with them going forward. So that's my two cents. That's a fantastic point. Dennis, to some degree, I don't even know where to start with this. How do you go about assessing these kind of issues? Like this is not the stereotypical, oh, they broke into the little webcam I got off Amazon that I'm using to monitor my baby. It, these are not, you know, white labeled. These are not unknown brands. These are not ridiculous things you bought off Alibaba. This is thinking Netgear ProSafe. This is Axis. This is Cisco. And again, yes, they're, they're, they're end of life, but it's still stinking Cisco. This was a go-to router for every IT firm I knew you know, seven years ago, even how do you go about dealing with this going forward in your product selection, in your choices, in, in the way that you express what you do in networking for your clients? It's a real difficult question. It's, it's a real <clears throat> steep climb. Um, the truth of the matter is I'm shocked that it's taken this long that we've only had a, a ring camera broken into that, you know, now, uh, obviously what's the easiest thing to break into? Sure. It is out of life product. Um, mm -hmm. But I, unfortunately, I believe this is going to start happening more and more and more. And I think, you know, if you, and Katie said, I'm not a lawyer, but, and neither am I, but the truth of the matter is that I think we all have the responsibility and taking the legalese out of it, we have a responsibility to start telling all of our clients that, look, this product is made here and you've got to cover yourself, unfortunately, whether it's it's an ugly way to do it 
or not. And it's not fear mongering, it's facts. And I, you know, it's one thing that you know, I've always been lost in this industry. I think too often we don't tell the facts because we're afraid of fear mongering. And, and there is a proper way to do yeah. facts without fear mongering. And that is look, clients, first of all, this is a potential that could happen on the newest of products. They're taking the easiest road and they're picking old, out of date, certainly security um, concerning products, and they're going after it. All you can do as an installer, or all we can do is inform you of the facts that, you know, Mr. D, Mr. Consumer, whether you're residential or business, you need to be aware that on these types of products, you do need to stay as modern and as new as possible. And, and, Look, we're, we're all going through this every time uh, it, it is whack-a-mole every time, yeah. you know, we they they fix something there. There's some 13 year old around this country in this country, let alone other countries that that have the ability to, to, to whack-a-mole and pops up. And like I said, I think it's a fine line between telling the truth and being open and honest versus fear mongering that the facts need to be set and. Um, you know, and I'll just, I, I'll just say it this way. If you ever listen to any drug commercials on TV, they say, don't take it if you're allergic to it. Well, how the hell do you know you're allergic to it unless you take it, number one? <laughs> number two, how about the 20 things that could happen to you after you do take it? I mean, if I had any of those diseases as needed that pill, I certainly wouldn't take it because of fear mongering the way they do it. We're no different. We've got to tell the facts and Matt and I think it's it's a great point that we got to be careful because there are people out there who would present this just as fear mongering for more business. Yes. And that's the fine line, you know, to tell the truth, keep it precise and make your clients aware uh, of it, not because you you want to, but because you have to as a responsible integrator. Katie, as an industry, do we need to be upfront and blatant with, to use Dennis's example of, you know, the, the firm commercial of we are providing this technology any, and literally anything that is network. And we are not responsible for anything that happens with this because let's be honest, it is out of our control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this comes, what it brings into view is taking a look at the way that we're creating and submitting proposals and then how those proposals ultimately go through to, uh, to completion. There should be language from the start all the way through to the end that predetermines the nature of the relationship. And that, yes, we, while we, we are doing the following things, but you have skin in the game too. And, and how this is communicated needs to be in your, you know, in your company's, your brand voice, tone, tenor, phrasing. But, you know, in order for all things to work, you know, there needs to be an equal exchange of energy, as yoga instructors like to say. You know, so put this, put this into perspective of in order for the gear that we're integrating today for it to continue to work as intended and as we have set it up, there's some things that you're going to need to do. And, and part of that needs to be also maintaining, you know, your passwords, your credit cards, you know, any of the things that we as consumers or as end users in the commercial space need to do in order to ensure that when I call for a service call, I already know who's going <laughs> to be starting to foot that bill. Because if I haven't done what I needed to do that you told me very clearly from the start before I even agreed to the deal, 
then there's a common understanding that there's going to be some sort of financial restitution that needs to be made. And it's, you know, obviously it gets a little convoluted in the commercial space, but, you know, but less so if broadly communicated and consistently throughout the, the term of the relationship. And I think the more that we start putting up front in those proposals about the things that we do as a community and what the other side needs to continue to do in order to ensure that these things continue to work, and in the commercial space, there's a lot of people coming and going, like, you know, so it, yeah. that's not on the integrator necessarily to maintain that. And every time somebody comes and goes, you know, there it can potentially open up a, a, a doorway for some stuff to go down. So, you know, I think that, the, again, it's just, it, to, yes, to your point, and, you know, how do we do it? It needs to be consistent with whatever the corporate culture is for how much is documented. But I think there, too, kind of lies a, a, a caution of if your current corporate culture doesn't include some deeper level of communication about what you do and what you know, is therefore being provided to the, the end user or the buyer for what their responsibilities are, now's a good time to, to do that. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, let's change topics somewhat for a second. This also comes to us from CE Pro. Access Networks is officially expanding into the commercial market. The Snap One brand is making a big jump over into the commercial space uh, with pre-configured uh, system designs and system monitoring after installation to help integrators play in that space. Uh, again, go read through the article, it gives a good overview, and there's some great quotes in there from our friend Bryce uh, over at uh, Access. Dennis, let me let me start with you on this, and I'm going to Again, I'm going to preface this with, <laughs> I am very happy to see Access expanding into the commercial space. I think that's fantastic for Access and you know they are a great company. They can handle this very well from their uh, internal knowledge base and system setup. Where I get concerned <laughs> as we jump off the ledge is, <sighs> In the article, they, they they reference the fact that Origin has also made a big move into commercial with commercial speakers, commercial amplifiers, et cetera. You cannot make that comparison of going from speakers and amps from a residential environment into a commercial environment, right? Even custom design, that's easy peasy. Going from residential networks into commercial networks, unless we are strictly talking high-end residential and shall we say SMB, small business, that comparison likely works from an integrator standpoint. Are we expecting or is, is access expecting too much out of residential integrators to be able to jump in and play in the commercial network space? The first thing is in my humble opinion, everyone who sells access now has some new SKUs that automatically in their mind qualifies them to install in something that is no longer a lake, but an ocean. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 it's very, very concerning to me um, because we do have an, we, we always talk about this installers who automatically and small business versus big business is, is a, a really, really big difference. Yes, you know, it is. We, we make it seem like it's not, 
or the factories often make it seems like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And the qualifications, I believe factories ought to put qualifications on dealers that before you can buy this product, even though it's on your price sheet, you need to pass XYZ, whatever that is, the installation methods, the understanding methods, um, you need to be certified to buy those three SKUs on your price sheet, even though they're on your price sheet. And again, we always talk about it um, all too often and both sides. I, I don't want to single out the residential installer. I want to also mm -hmm. include the commercial installer who thinks because he's commercial and he does big stuff, he can automatically, you know, put a, a TV in someone's house and, and just hook it up to a router. Um, there are nuances that go with each. And I believe our industry is way, way, way too easy and too open from a factory standpoint, just because we have, you know, significantly tremendous engineers in the back room who can do these products. It needs to be one train connected and everybody needs to be qualified. If not, what ends up happening is unfortunately, then a qualified, when there's a problem, a qualified installer gets called. And then he has to clean up a mess. And you now have a, a very aggravated boss who says, why did he do that? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm coming here trying to clean it up. I mean, it, it just presents a, a whole agenda of issues. And again, I, I really do believe in the certification process at all levels. Um, so we just don't have guys, and I don't mean it meanly, who can just slap a a magnetic sign on the side of their truck and say, I am he. So that's my answer to you. All right, Katie. Um, I know you already prefaced in the last story that you are not a lawyer. <laughs> and as such, I'm going to ask So don't you. you be coming at me with those lawyer questions. <laughs> no, no. We're coming at you with the lawyer questions. <laughs> Dennis makes a great point. Um, and I'll tell a, a quick minor story from, from my company side. We've been Cisco partners for, gosh, almost 20 years. There was a time when we were fully certified as our business needs sh shifted. We let some of that go, but there was a time where to Dennis's point, we could buy this block because we were certified for it. We could also buy this block because we were certified for it. We couldn't buy this one because we weren't certified for it, but we could get this. And just depending on your certifications, it dictated what you were able to get access to. And it really siloed you in. If you did not have fully certified people on your staff for that entire catalog, you were not getting that entire catalog, no matter how much you did of whatever part of that catalog. When we start looking at commercial network environments, and again, my company has done in the commercial space, everything from small mom and pop shops to restaurants, to house of worship, to large house of worship, to industrial, to small office to big office to healthcare and every single one of those little things as well as high office, all this other crap, um, they all come with unique challenges and unique requirements for data security and access security strictly from the network standpoint. And, and I'm not trying to pick on residential dealers. I just don't know if we as a residential industry have any idea 
of how an actual corporate network functions. So when I see, you know, access jumping into this, well, I applaud them for doing it. I hope they're, I, I, I guess I hope that they have the reins pretty tight on what they're, who they're working with and how they're doing with it. How do you go about trying to understand the idiosyncrasies or does anyone in our, our side of the world even care about that? They just want to chase that dollar. <laughs> There's a whole lot in there, so I'm going to cherry pick. I know that's like the mat <laughs> I know that's the longest question I could come up with for you, <laughs> and it's also riddled with uh, with landmines that I'm not going to step on. Um, but the, the points welcome. that I'm comfortable, <laughs> yeah, no, uh -huh. the <laughs> points that I'm comfortable uh, responding to, there a, a few of them. Is I think you know I know um, I I used to rep Access Networks and did for many years, um, no longer do. So now with with some separation um, comes. Um, some clarity, but also some some additional knowledge that I think is is worth putting out there, which is access has been working on this for years and years and years and years and years. Um, so this wasn't necessarily a new decision. It was one that they had been um, working on and developing, and they've got integrators in the field that have been helping them get to this point. And obviously Bryce, Bryce Nordstrom, who you had mentioned earlier, um, he comes from integration, is, integra is integration and knows, you know, the certification levels. He's really big on um, he was a big part of making sure that they dove into the pool only when they were ready. Um, and so I think that the fact that it's, you know, sort of has a price seal of approval on it is, is uh, an indicator that he, he felt as though it was time. But I think the bigger indicator is Access Networks is a Snap One brand. Uh, Snap One is a publicly traded company. There, with that come many, many ramifications, and also why I'm only going so far in my conversation. <laughs> there, there, you know, there are certain requirements and responsibilities that come with the publicly traded aspect. So I think, you know, just from a, from a brand perspective, knowing that is, is important. Now to one of your other myriad of questions, is it, is it right? Um, you know, and I think it's it, more and more integrators are getting involved in that crossover space and the sweet spot is still, unless, unless something new has come up in the last few months, but what I consistently hear is where we're talking about that resi commercial crossover point or where resi integrators are getting involved in commercial or vice versa. It's the boardroom. It's the boardroom, the office, the, the business owner that is also a residential client or vice versa. Hey buddy, can you, you did such a great job here. Can you do a great job here? So I think, you know, when you look at the, the, uh, the big opportunity as it stands, just from that sort of bucket, um, it, it is important to have products that are familiar, but come with the, the horsepower and the security that enterprise grade products do come from. And that's been Access's jam since day one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, aside from my prior relationship with them, you know, I think as far as just who would I have confidence in of potentially being able to do this right and do it well, it, it, there's a lot of things that are stacking up. In, into this brand and into their offering. Can others do it better? Were others there first? Yes, you know, quite possibly. And yes, others were. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't speak to that. You, you asked if, if there's a general, if there's a high enough level of, of give a hunch. Um, and I do think that maybe network security does need to be really, really high on, on every integration professional's list. And at this point, if you don't feel as though you can play in an enterprise pool, you might want to make that the bar for which you attempt to achieve your knowledge. I think, you know, there's a lot of certification on the commercial side. It's celebrated. It is promoted. It is celebrated again. You know, there's, and there's different levels of that commitment to, to the category. Resi, I think really needs to take some of those cues and bring it back into our sandbox and do much more with it to tout that our community really are, it has the level of expertise 
that one would get in the corporate environment too, because we need it. I mean, this, the, the story that we just touched on before, clearly the products that are in our homes are, are, are coming under attack and will continue. So who's best suited to resolve that? You know, it's, it's, it's again, it's our people, but our people need to be certified at the level to handle much higher complexities. It's just going to be coming more at us, more rapid fire. I mean, it's just every day it's more and more. So you know, <laughs> we can't hide from it. We need to rise to it and really be, be able to overcome as, as quickly as the attacks are coming. I think I answered three of your 18 questions. Not sure. <laughs> there were 19, but thank you. 19. Dang. Okay. I missed that last one. Sorry. Yeah, You're welcome, Mitch. Close. <laughs> Dennis, wrap this one up for me because it, I want to be clear. I am not negative or, or not recognizing that Access is arguably probably the best prepared in our space to go after that commercial market. They, they've had the hardware for years. They've had the firewalls for years, their access points, like their entire catalog is commercial adjusted and modified in at times for residential. I'm not concerned with the manufacturing aspect of this. My concern lays and lies with the residential integrator having a understanding and knowledge of how to not only design and deploy in a a true commercial environment, not mom and pop's corner store. Uh, that doesn't concern me that much. It's the office with, you know, 50 employees and people coming in the door to sell or to work with them or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it is the commercial environment that I don't know if residential integrators have the skill set, the knowledge, or even the understanding of the landscape from an IT standpoint. Again, I, I'm specifically hammering that IT standpoint. You run a, an association of a bunch of distributors who does, in my opinion, some of the better training out of any distributing company out there. What's your take on the landscape? Are we is even 10% of our, uh, you know, members or, 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 or industry, are they ready to play in that actual commercial IT landscape? So Matt, I, and I, and I want to backtrack and be clear that because you have a driver's license and you can drive a Volkswagen doesn't mean you can drive a tractor trailer and the tractor trailer is a tremendous product. The Volkswagen is a tremendous product. So again, it is the user, we're, talking, we're not, in my opinion, we're not questioning whether access the product is good. We're not questioning whether it can do what we need it to do. Uh, we're questioning the installer who can take a good product and we've seen in many, many cases, mess it up or not understand it and not, not put it correctly into the atmosphere that it needs to be into. And I will tell you that from a powerhouse standpoint, this discussion comes up almost every day. We are transitioning, not from, because we're we're staying in the residential and we will be a one-stop shop for all residential products, but we are transitioning and adding the commercial side of things. And we can only add roughly three products category, not categories, three vendors a year. And I, I, last year, we turned down probably 40 or 50 vendors who had tremendous 
commercial products. And why did I turn them down? Because we can't take on 50 lines at one time and say we're expertise, because we're not. So I have capped it at three lines a year on that side, and it roughly it amounts to a line every third of a year, because that's how long it takes us to buy the product, load it in our system, train our guys, first and foremost, what the product is, what it does, how it's to be installed, where it should be installed. Then we have to market it out to our dealers. We have to train them on what the product is and teach them how to do it. And then they have to market and start putting it out in bids to their to their customers. And so, you know, again, I, I, I want to be very staunch in saying that it, it has nothing here to me to do with access other than the limiting of who they sell their product to. That, yeah. that I think, is, yeah. is one of their jobs. But our job is, on top of it, we're in an industry right now where there's too easy access on some products without the understanding. And frankly, and you as an owner, Matt, understand this, sometimes that comes to make you look bad because you're going in to clean up and you're the one that's saying, here's what it's going to cost. Here's what you have that you paid for that's not right. Here's what you paid for that we got to change. And so there's no way you're walking out with a pat on the back nine out of 10 times. You know, it's that's where the problem is in this industry. And, And I go back to my Volkswagen. Just because you can drive a Volkswagen doesn't mean you can drive a tractor trailer. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, If people want to connect with you, Dennis, learn more about Powerhouse, where can they do that? Well, if they still like me after today, I can be reached at dholzer at Powerhouse Alliance if you want to talk to me personally. Or we have 74 locations around the country, www.powerhousealliance.com. All we want is an opportunity to, to work with you and sell you some product. So that's how you can get a hold of me, and we'd love to hear from you. And if you're already giving us business, by the way, thank you. Very good, my friend. Uh, and it's it's typically me that they don't like, not not the guests. <laughs> um, Katie, if people want to connect with you, stop laughing. Uh, learn more about KMB Communications. Where can they do that? KMB Communications. You'll find us all around the sphere. Just look for the the one with the logo that has a mountain on it. it says KMB right in the middle, or Katie McGregor Bennett on most of the platforms, typically as well. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me uh, or send me hate mail, you can do that at Matt D. Scott on Twitter or X or most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.